Hello, and welcome to episode one of The Cloud, the Data, and the Ugly. This is Intro to Data Lakes for Healthcare and Health Insurance. We're going to talk about what a data lake is. We'll talk about the kind of data you want to store in it if you are a healthcare or a health insurance organization. We will discuss where the data that a health or health insurance organization is interested might come from, that is to say, the data sources for the lake, and also what it generally looks like at a high level when a data lake is implemented in your organization. And finally, a few words on the difference between a data lake and a data warehouse. So for starters, a data lake is a massive structure for storing large amounts of data of different kinds, mostly raw data, potentially of different statuses of structure, meaning structured data can live there, unstructured data can, semi-structured data. It's not rigid in the way that so many structures are as to what kind of data tenants will be accepted. Data lakes are the most accepting form, in fact, of data structure there can be. And they're typically Hadoop-based or cloud-based. More and more, we're going to see them be cloud-based, but for the first few years of data lake implementations in the enterprise, when dedicated cloud services such as AWS Lake Formation and Azure Data Lakes weren't available yet, back then the large organizations were mostly using Hadoop because, frankly, it was the only infrastructure that could support structures of that size. So what is the benefit for a large healthcare-related or health insurance organization in implementing a data lake? Well, let's talk about the different data elements that can be combined there. We've got health plan enrollment data, health plan sponsor data, keeping in mind the sponsor is the entity that provides the plan. So for example, a commercial group, an employer might be the sponsor. For a government-sponsored plan like Medicare, you have obviously a government entity sponsoring, and they might have data sources available. We've got health plan premium data and those cash flows to look at. We've got healthcare provider data. We have funding vehicles, that is, inbound cash flows not associated with premium payments. We have clinical data, such as electronic medical records, EMR. We have, of course, encounters and claims data. We have, from the treatment side, diagnoses, procedures, lab results, prescription data, clinical contacts, marketing contacts. We've got member or patient socioeconomic characteristics. Those are often of great interest to the population health folks, of course. We've got lifestyle attitude and behavioral characteristics, other demographics, age, gender, and so forth. Member vital stats. Um, keeping in mind, of course, a lot of people could be wearing all kinds of IoT wearables that are feeding um, heart rates and, and glucose levels and other types of statistics directly from the member's person. And, of course, um, all kinds of member identification information. So this is really a, a wide view of all different kinds of information that we could be gathering and that typically now, in the absence of a data lake, is usually very, very siloed, and sometimes for good reason and for bad. Of course, there's a lot of sensitive information that has to be protected there. But typically, companies do hold most of this information, but they hold it in disparate areas that are difficult to bridge, and from which analytical insights 
are hard to gain because you really can't stitch together the different multifaceted views of what a patient is experiencing and what a member is experiencing and arrive at you know profitable insights or insights that improve the customer experience. So part of the idea of this is, for example, for decision makers to be able to put these different elements together and combine them by whatever mechanisms make them safe, make them private, um, expose only what needs to be exposed, make it possible for some users to see social security numbers while perhaps others may not see social security numbers, make it possible for some teams to see identified information and some teams only to see de-identified information. But nevertheless, at least have a structure where the different pockets of information can be connected to provide that valuable bigger picture of what's going on with the member or the patient. So those are all examples of the kinds of data that a health-related organization might want to include in a data lake. Another thing to consider is what would the sources be for this data? And of course, this can change over time, but there's a number of areas, for example, that a payer might draw from to populate a data lake with relevant information. So first of all, of course, payers have contracts with their providers, and it's to be hoped that payers can, can nurture the kinds of partnerships that will give them access to provider data sources. Um, even if those sources have to be perhaps aggregated or de-identified, there can still be a lot of valuable data there that perhaps a payer can try to get from a provider. So that could include member information and claim information from the provider side, encounter information, uh, prescription claims, and financials from the provider side, as well as even marketing and, and provider network information. On the other hand, the payer can look internally at their own systems. And of course, the systems should be logging interactions, um, logging activities, and there should be hopefully metadata from all the various databases inside the payer's ecosystem. So just in the course of the payer's everyday operations, as all those business applications run, they are generating a whole lot of activity logs and security transactions. Those are all sources that could be inspected for valuable contributions to a data lake. Also, separately, there could be online sources. There are obviously floods of emails and chats happening. Those can be mined. Also, social media could be a valuable source. Um, using a variety of cloud services now, it's easy to camp out on a social media site like Twitter, listen for any discussion of your company, run automated text sentiment analysis against that content and derive insights from that. So that's another repository that you could send a copy of to your data lake. And then of course, there could just be any number of websites, both internal perhaps to the intranet of the company or externally on the web that are worth monitoring on a recurring basis. And of course, copies of that information can also be posted to the data lake. Other external and partnering organizations might also be a good source of data for your lake, such as accountable care organizations, government agencies that post databases of all kinds, and any number of public survey results, um, which is always an advantage not to have to conduct your own survey, but to benefit from someone else's, especially as it seems we sometimes are seeing more and more survey fatigue in the population.
So those would be some common sources that would populate a data lake at a health or a health insurance organization. But now let's turn to how this fits into the enterprise data landscape as a whole. What are the building blocks for that? And how does the data lake fit in? Well, let's digress for a minute and compare data lakes to data warehouses. Data lakes are very accepting. Your data goes right in. Data warehouses are highly organized with complex requirements. It takes some processing. Um, sometimes the data folks call it ETL, extract, transform, and load. Very highly detailed processes to bring data into a data warehouse properly so that it can be consumed from there. The metaphor I've heard that's helpful is that in the world of dirty clothes, the data lake is the hamper and the enterprise data warehouse is the dresser drawer where everything is neatly folded. Sure, your clothes can go into the hamper quickly, but they're not necessarily immediately useful. As soon as they pop in there, they're gonna need to be processed. Meanwhile, on the warehouse side, on the other hand, those clothes are easily found and ready for usage right away, just to finish out that metaphor. Now to zoom in a tiny bit more onto the warehouse side to be a little bit more exact, typically what that really is that makes things ready to go is a combination of a warehouse and a data mart, where a data mart is a little appendage of a warehouse where popular data elements have been prefetched to make them extremely easy, it's to be hoped, for all of the consuming business applications to select those data elements from there. So that metaphor of the data lake as the hamper and the warehouse as the dresser drawer is oversimplifying a tiny bit. It's really the combination of a warehouse with customer-friendly data marts in front of it that's rendering all that data ready to go. So zooming out a tiny bit, consider those pieces, the data lake, the warehouses, and the data marts to be at the center of the enterprise data landscape. So what are the building blocks that have to surround those things to make them useful to us? Well, for one, you really need some form of enterprise information catalog. And for anybody who's had to navigate the various disparate databases in a far-flung IT ecosystem at a big company, you know how disjointed and hard to find all the different tables and other data elements might be. This is one great advantage of a data lake that you can make the catalog intrinsic to the lake. For example, if you create a data lake on AWS, AWS is going to provide a common catalog structure out of the box, and that's really going to help with curation. Incidentally, I don't necessarily advocate AWS over any other cloud platform. It just happens to be the one I have the most experience with. But for every service that AWS does well, you can be sure that Azure and the others will be catching up or perhaps even surpassing AWS over time. So back to our enterprise data landscape. We've got the data in the middle with Data Lake, the enterprise data warehouse, and its marts. We've got some sort of information catalog. And then Really what we need around that is a layer of data management and governance, because now you need processes. There should be no new data element that goes in, for example, without becoming an entry in the catalog. Someone's gotta be curating this, somebody has to have managerial authority, and that really needs to be a partnership between IT and business-led data governance and management. 
And if you think about it, it's easy to see the kind of trouble you could get into if either of those two sides don't get a seat at the table. If IT dominates and the business can't get in there, you are going to have serious problems with prioritization from a business perspective. On the other hand, if IT can never push back at all from a technical curation perspective, then there's no way to protect the company from scalability issues over time. So if you can picture it, we've got the data elements in the middle, we've got an information catalog that has arms around the data, and now we have a layer of a data management and governance partnership between IT curators and business-led management. And so what's missing? Well, we need the service access. We need people to actually consume the data. That's the whole point. So now you're going to have different areas of self-service that you expose to the right stakeholders. And around all of that, of course, you have to have security and authorization and privacy rules, authentication and audit to make sure everybody's seeing what they're supposed to be seeing and only what they're supposed to be seeing. This is also a good moment to remember the various compliance issues you want to deal with as you stand up an implementation of a data lake. And you have to remember in the post GDPR world, more and more laws are being enacted that require the honoring, for example, of erasure requests, uh, the so-called right to be forgotten. Whether we're talking about state level laws, such as the California Consumer Privacy Act, or perhaps a federal level law, you are going to see more and more situations where IT is called upon to make it possible for any particular member or patient who requests it to seek and destroy every single identifiable pocket of information you own about that individual. And that's going to be an increasingly daunting task because you have information about people tucked away in all different formats, all different corners, all over the business. And on the one hand, it's a challenge to set up your data lake to be able to honor requests like that. But on the other hand, it might be your best tool to do it because here in your enterprise information catalog, you have an opportunity to tag all of those areas that need to be hit when a request for erasure comes through. So hopefully this can be looked at from an optimistic perspective where, yes, it's going to be a challenge to support the various portability requirements and related requirements that the new privacy laws will be bringing. But at the same time, if they can be taken into account from the very beginning and don't have to be bolted on awkwardly later, your lake formation experience could be the perfect time to set up the infrastructure and the policies and procedures that'll actually make those mechanisms work smoothly for your organization. So if you are helping to set up a data lake in your organization, it might be a really good idea to get buy-in from your compliance people early on and show them how you're going to make it a priority every step of the way to make sure that the system that gets stood up at the end of the day is capable of supporting those requests and perhaps even capable of automating a lot of the documentation they're going to need to make sure the organization is protected from a compliance perspective. That is all for the introduction to data lakes for healthcare and health insurance organizations, and I hope you join me for the next episode of the Cloud, the Data, and the Ugly.